We can't pretend and sit in your podcast room. We can, but the echo is really bad. And <laughs> there's a train that comes like every, it's like the one curse of this house is that there's a train and it's no, like the closest, the closest room to the train is of course the podcast studio, but okay. <laughs> I already started recording. Okay. So hello and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. I am sitting here with my friend Oni Kokelu. Did I say that right? I did. Okay. Cool. Is it? No, it's, yeah. what is not? I don't want it to be it's, cool. It's Oni Kokulu. Kokulu. Oh! I, oh my god. That's really name. not even how you say it. But How do you say it? It's just, it takes a lot of energy. But how do I, you actually say it? Onya Kokulu. That's how you say it. Okay, so I fucked it up. Well, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> okay, thank it's you. Okay, I just go by Oni Kokulu. Okay. I'm sitting here with Oni, my friend, and... How should I even introduce you? You're an A and R at CMG. You're an artist no, manager. Okay. So you're I would say, okay. So I feel like where I am right now, like if, if we have to use titles and titling and those things, I would just say in general, I do artist development. Um, I work on different artist management teams. Um, you know, anytime like CMG is my home for a very long time, mm-hmm. and you know, anytime Daddy needs me, I'm there. Um, but like right now, I'm just, I'm just existing right now. Okay, got it. But you still work closely with CMG artists. Yeah, of like, mm-hmm. I feel like every time we're I, done. Right. Every, yeah. Like every time I'm at your house, Doug you're like my, on the phone with Doug. Doug is my main priority artist. Okay. So yes, you could say that. Yes. Okay. So you're one of those people that's in the background, behind the scenes that people don't really see as much, but like just I'm with the there. artists all the time. Yeah. So what do you what do you even call like that? To me, I, to me, I call it artist development. Like when you when you talk to someone at a label, like artist development is touring, which makes no sense to me. I don't get it. But to me, what I feel like I am is I help people discover and develop and grow into the person that they're always meant to be. Right. That's how I look at it. Um, whether it's just being there for that person, making sure they get to where they need to be, helping them develop as far as like, you know, just doing things that artists do, like things that help, you know, the mission. Right. That's kind of what I feel. So it's like if I have to step in and do A&R work, cool. If I have to step in and do marketing, if I have to put together a photo shoot or a video shoot or make sure some shit is rolled out properly, that's – wherever cracks are, I fill them and help guide the ship. Right. It's like very vague, I guess, but at it the is. same time – But it's like also – do you think it's also a lot of like emotional support half yes, the time and I just – like mental coach i feel like a babysitter sometimes right i feel like a you know a sister a mom that's how it seems like you are when i like hear about your job half the time but it's weird because i think when people think about careers in the music industry which seems really glamorous when you make it to work with artists as big as you know people at cmg or someone like 42 doug or whatever you don't realize that there's all of these different pockets of working with an artist that exists where it's not just like you're behind the scenes it's some I don't know some it studio is, or something like that there's so many different parts to it it's different when you work in corporate mm-hmm. versus when you work in like the streets and yeah that, I, that that's where I guess like sometimes even my mental confusion comes in a little bit mm-hmm. but not really is because I don't work in a in a building right you know I work I mean the trenches like for real like I'm with my artists every day, I go to the shows, I go to the 
video shoots, photo shoots, anything that needs to be done. So it's a little bit different. So to me, it's development because, you know, when I started with certain artists, they wouldn't even do an interview. Yeah. You know, they weren't as big as they are now. So that's why to me, I call it development because it's like you really help mold that person and guide them into being the best version of themselves. Right. So do you think that a lot of the artists that you work with, like maybe Doug or someone, they almost look at you more like family and there's like a really blurry line because if you're not in that corporate record label office and you're on the ground every day and you're kind of hired by them in a way, is it hard to like juggle that? I, like are they do they is, I don't know I just feel like the music industry there's so many blurred lines like this is my friend that works for me this is somebody that doesn't work for me they're just around all the time but I don't pay them that was my experience anyways where not even half the time more than that it would be a situation where I would get hired for something and, then it and something completely different. no well I would be hired but there would really be no money involved like I it's like I you can come to the studio you can set up this press release for me you can do all of this but when you can manage me, but when the idea of a contract or payment would have to be talked about very often, even the artists that I loved would like kind of freak out. There's a few that have money that would understand that, you know, you need to get paid for the time that you're putting in to help them with whatever it is that you're helping them with. But often it was like, money was actually really hard to get if you're working independently. Like unless you're working for a big label and you're on the payroll right i would definitely say it it all depends on your artist and the structure Mm -hmm. i would say for most people the mistake that most people make with dealing with music industry dealing with artists and dealing with certain things is not setting the standard from the beginning so what happens is a lot of people do this they say okay well i'm fucking with this person i fuck with them i want to see them grow i want to see them develop i want to see them be great so they don't set the standard of that you have to pay me. So even though in your mind you think you're putting in work and putting in, you know, um, you know, sweat equity, yeah. as they would call it, um, into the situation in hopes that when things become beneficial that you could receive some sort of payment, that doesn't happen right. oftentimes because... To the artist, it's like, well, I haven't been paying you, so why would I? Yeah, it's like your family are going to do this anyway type of thing. Exactly, but it just depends on the person because there's some people who understand, like, okay, this person does stuff for me. Why would I not pay them? But then there's some people who look at it like, why would I pay you? You're like a brother or sister to me, Mm -hmm. you know, or, but it it just depends on the structure. But I would suggest, my suggestion to anyone who does music or wants to set the standard early because Mm -hmm. what you start is how they're going to want to finish true but it's hard sometimes it's, it's very hard to do when you're early on because you don't have that precedent already so it's hard to convince people to take a chance on you almost also like my thing that i would run into often would be artists being like well why would i sign? like and i don't even necessarily want to be that person who's like here's a contract you have to sign it because i don't want to make people uncomfortable like that you should though because if the shoe was on the other foot and this and it's funny i was just talking to my about this if the shoe was on the other foot they would want that. True. Like, for example, let's say you provide, you're providing a service. You're working with an artist. And they're, you're like, okay, hey, I want you to write. They're like, I need you to write a press release for me. They're going to want you to write that press release for them for free. But I, I dare you to ask them for a free verse. Let me know how that works out. Right. They'll literally laugh at it, you and it, just move on. It literally wouldn't happen. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? 
But I feel like people like that, they respect people who are business. So it's True. like if you sh- come out the gate like, look, right now I'm charging you $100. Mm-hmm. But that fee is going to go up. Even if it's something small. Like, so my suggestion is even if it's something small mm-hmm. or it's something that you guys talk about. Like, okay, here, when we meet, when we get to this benchmarker or this point, you have to pay me this X amount of whatever because... A person is just going to get so used to you being around that they're not going to feel the need of paying you because you're just there. For sure. And it's like, as a business person, okay, Claudia, if you could get a Chanel bag for free, would you pay for it? Fuck no. Exactly. So that's really the concept of it. So it's fucked up, but yeah. like, you have to look at it from the other side. It's just, I'm getting this amazing quality work for free. Why would I pay? No, for sure. It's... How many years of legwork and establishing a name for yourself in the industry do you think it took for you to get to this place now of being like, this is the situation up front, this is what I deserve, you know, this is what's going to happen? Because I think both of us, like, we talked about this once. We're very similar. Right, so we were both living, like, in New York or other, you know, big cities, pretty much, like, by the seat of our pants, whatever the saying is, living on, like, $500 a month, (laughs) like, broke as fuck, just hustling, we made it work, but I think both of us like put in a lot of legwork in our 20s, just hoping and praying and knowing in a way that it would pay off, but you never have that guarantee. So how did that look for you? I feel like for me, it's been like a roller coaster because very early on, like when I moved, when I first moved to New York, I, ha- I had the, lo- the blessing and the luxury of working with some of the most amazing people who are doing phenomenal things now. But at that time, I was an intern. So I was putting in my sweat equity and mm-hmm. then I got a job. Okay? Uh, and where was this at? So I got a job in Atlantic and I basically, I didn't get fired, but I quit, but I was, <laughs> I was about to get fired. <laughs> I was about so to you get did, fired. <laughs> you, you, okay. Yeah, I was about to get fired because I just was doing too much. So basically what I was doing was I was working in the video department and I had an artist that I was trying to get signed. Mm. so I was just like my head was just all over the place like I wasn't really focusing on my job Mm. when I really didn't like it because it wasn't like what I've been doing prior you know so like when I was interning I was doing like more marketing stuff more like digital stuff like this was like the video department so which actually does have a very creative aspect to it but what I was doing was like paper pushing Right. You know what I mean? And I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, that's not... It's, you're it was, such a creative not, person. Yeah, that was never me. So it just was like, oh, I was fucking shit up, girl. I was fucking shit up. And they just had enough. Isn't that so funny, though? <laughs> that was like one of my first jobs, too. I was a studio manager at this recording studio in Toronto, and I got fired also. But I just wanted it, even though I knew it was I wrong. Knew, I knew I shouldn't have done but it. But I just... Because you're young, and like you just kind of just hope like, it works. You kind of just want it to work, because you're like, you don't really know like what the other stepping stone is. Exactly. And, but you know what was crazy about it was, I remember she had told me, like, oh, you're focusing on this other artist when you have this job here. And then it was so funny because the artist ended up getting signed to Atlantic. Oh my God. That literally. So it was like full circle. So it was like, it was kind of lit. You know what I mean? Because it was like. "Ah." But wait, when you were in New York, how were you making it work like as an intern? Because I, I think a lot of people have this like fantasy life of living in New York City and working for a big record label or a big magazine or whatever. But the reality is like you're very broke and you're kind of getting paid in like. Little, parties yes. and little clout things but that at the 
in those days, I think in the, you know, early 2010s, mid 2010s, I think that was more valuable. Yes. Now that type of payment just seems like bullshit. Maybe we're also older, but like parties in New York used to feel like that was worth working almost for free for, for me in in a way. It was because back then, like, this is when you could still feel and touch real things. Like this is before the world was like super, super, super digital. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like now people barely even do listening parties. You know True. What I mean? Well, they're like, like always pretty small. I they're think. always pretty small. But back in the day in New York, like that was the thing. Like that yeah. was a part of the culture. Like, oh, you didn't have a, a listening for your out your project. That's like unheard of. Facts. You know what I mean? Like half the time, some artists, the only thing that they're going to come to New York and do is promo. Like, a little bit of promo, and that's it, and barely. Yeah. You know? Um, but back in those days, like, I, I, like, really, like, I knew God, or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the universe, I knew that they, it wanted me to do this, because I literally kept meeting, like, the most amazing people in the world. Like, I didn't have money, but I had pretty much everything else. Like, I had two, like, in particular, like, two to three guys that really just made my life like a life you can't even imagine and that's mel lonnie and this guy named big mo and like literally lonnie a lot we literally lived in a penthouse for years like i'm talking about like a an amazing like i'm talking about like it's if i show you pictures of this place you'll be like what like this doesn't even make any logical sense but it was beautiful that's crazy you know what i'm saying it was a beautiful penthouse and we really had like they were they had it was, it was amazing mm. but he had his own they had their own artists too you know so it was a mix of me doing stuff you know with you know different executives and them and just grinding hustling just yeah trying to make a way you know what i mean just having the graciousness of people who believed in me and right. were like you know only you can stay with me it's cool don't worry about it that's amazing. don't have to pay anything like like that's how i got by for years you know what i mean there was no big check there was no any of that it was just literally just years and years and years of sweat equity damn and like having the faith i guess in knowing and that it yeah, was gonna work out that was the main thing like i had that's a faith. huge risk like, though no 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 super huge like coming from st louis like st louis is totally different than new york like it's not even, I didn't even know anybody in New York. I didn't know. I just literally just said, I'm going to go there and I'm going to make it work. Same. I didn't even have the internship yet. I, I lied. I told my parents that I had the internship. I told them I was going to college. I told them all kinds of lies. I, I had no intention of doing any of that shit. I just was like, I know if I get there, I'm going to make it work. And it's so funny because the guy that hired me, mm-hmm. he hired me as a joke because my my uh, resume was like eight pages long. Oh my god! Yes, like he literally. He Wait, was like, Yo, I have to meet this girl because she. Her name was Alex. Shout what do you Alex. What do you put on an eight page long resume when you're like still a teenager, pretty much? I would I put anything on there. So at the when in St. Louis, I was writing at a magazine, like it was like a local magazine, hip hop magazine. Okay. Um, I was doing like managing local artists. Like I I put you know how like you just reach into. I had worked at Journeys. Like I'm so like so man, you just put everything. I just put anything that seemed of value, like, I put it on that bitch. And it was, like, so long. And he always laughed about that. He's like, yo, I have to meet the girl with the eight-page resume. So, shout-out to Alex. That's crazy. So, how... Okay. 
So, okay, that makes sense. I just look back at those days in New York and... They were glorious. They really were. And I remember going to some of the listing parties. Even a couple of years ago, I remember ESTG had a listing party still in New York. And it, I was go, I had gone... I was living in Atlanta already at the time. It was when he dropped um, Bigger Than Life or Death? No. See, Last summer? I don't, I don't remember. But it was... It kind of felt like 2019 or 2018. Because I, I don't think a lot of people had been out since COVID... And we all got to this small space. I think it was in, at Gold Room in Manhattan. And it was like just 200 familiar faces and everyone. Was I there? Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. You came in with, with 42 Doug like briefly. Yeah. I feel like we did go. Yeah, you were there. But you were, only, you were like with the, with the celebrity. So you, I, was like in, I was like on the floor in the mix. You were like in and out, business only. And I was talking to everybody. I'm but sure that was a really good way of meeting people back in the day. No, it was. That was how, yeah. You know how I met a lot of people was I would volunteer to work the door. Oh, wow. That's because, a good tip. Yeah, I would volunteer to work the door at like different events. Like, let's say when I was interning at Warner Brothers, I worked the door for all the events. So right. it allowed me to get to know people by face, name, and name basis. Because to get in this bitch, you have to, you have to talk to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you are who you are, but now it it's like, oh, okay, I'm this person, I'm that person. You start a little small conversation, and, and the type of person I've always been is, I don't force anything, mm-hmm. right? Like, as far as, like, work goes. Guys, that's a whole other situation. We're going to talk. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. But, but work, it's like, it's cool because, like, I believe in, like, okay, if it's meant to be with like let's say when you meet somebody, yeah, you don't have to be like, oh, hi, my name is this and I do this and I do that. No, it just it's a simple hi. You That's... know what I mean? It might we might run into each other five times, and on that fifth time, you might be like, hey, do you remember years ago when I, I you were the girl that let me in the door? Like it's. You know, I believe in the natural, you know, flow of life. So that's why. But that's so different than so many people that are trying to get started in the industry, in the music industry. I remember when I used to come down to Atlanta for A3C Festival, for example, in like 2018, I think 2019. And this was when I was like really trying to make it work also. I was like managing one artist that was signed to 300. So I got a little VIP wristband and I thought I was the shit. But I was really just trying to like meet, like network or whatever. But I'm also kind of a step back networker where if it is meant to happen, it'll happen. And, you know, I want to be in the room. I want to meet people, but I'm not going to go up to everybody and be like, hi, my name is Claudia. Like <laughs> I'm from blah, blah, blah. Like it's just too much. But I remember at those conferences and at a lot of industry events, there's so, and usually it's up and coming artists and stuff, but there's so many people that are so aggressive and they just want to like Network. dump, dump all of their information on you and think that that's going to make it work. But that's really not how you like get ahead, especially in the music industry where I think people, it's so emotion driven and like energy driven in a sense where like, if you don't have a good vibe with someone, they're not even going to want to work with you. It's weird. I'm not going to lie. Like networking is like, I am anti-network yeah i do not like the idea of networking i do not like the idea of going somewhere with the purpose of meeting people to do but it but i think that's because i'm kind of shy do you think it's also because we're older now and we have our networks no i feel like like okay like i'm a kind of person like if i let's say i go to a networking event i wouldn't know what to say like i literally probably would be clueless on like but the irony what am i supposed to do like Hey. But no, but the irony, the I, I, I no, but the I, 
But the irony is people would be going to the networking event to meet you. I think often when, the, when you're the people, the person that somebody wants to meet, you're the one who's like, why the fuck would I go to that? No. You I mean, are. Like, no. they would want to meet you. I don't know. Maybe I'm just ignorant to like where, like how far I've gotten. You know what I'm saying? But because I which was really like off networking, the, but organic networking. Yeah, like yeah. Which but sounds it, like a really pretentious thing to say, like organic networking. I know, but it's more like pretty genuine. Much everybody that I've ever met, it pretty much happened like naturally. Right. Like I don't feel like it's been really any times where it's like. Oh, hey, I want to, I mean, and even if someone sets you up to meet someone, that's still natural in a sense, because Mm -hmm. it's, it's being put together as far as like, I'm not walking up on you and being like, like if like, it's like, oh, if I see, I don't know, some random guy and I just walk up to him and I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm only like, I'm trying to do this. It's like, I, I can't imagine myself doing that. But I also feel like people who have the courage because I feel like that's you have to be courageous to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm too shy. I'm right. too shy for it. But I don't knock it because like sometimes like you gotta take shit. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't like sometimes just playing that cool, calm, collective role. That shit is not always. It's like, not always gonna work. It's not always. It doesn't. And I feel like it doesn't work a lot. Actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you lose opportunity. Like, how do you know you'll be able to see this person again or? But I still do believe if you're meant to meet them, you will meet them again. But I genuinely do believe that, like, people who have that person, like, some people have that personality where they can do that. They can, they know how to, like, like, to me, my friend Mel, I admire him a lot because he just, he knows how to talk. He knows the right things to say. Like, he's very, like, personable, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, me, I'm a personal human being. Like, Mm -hmm. I have great energy. I have, like bubbly energy I have good energy and people are drawn to speak to me but mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily know how to spark a conversation I can hold a conversation right but I might not know the the right thing to say because I feel like I'm very inquisitive like I like to ask a lot of questions right so some people might not like that but my friend Mel like he could he could just have a conversation with somebody and it's just like he can turn it on he can turn like he knows how to like by the night like if we walk into a room of 40 strangers yeah every single person is mel's friend by then see that's what i don't understand because first of all just to go back to the earlier point with networking being i don't know i think that a lot of networking especially in the music industry is smoke and mirrors and it's kind of a scam because especially if you're going up to someone's face now they're not going to be rude. Like they kind of have to be nice to you. So you, you have this fake interaction where it's like, Oh, follow my Instagram, like text me. And now you have exchanged information. But like, if you're on the side of the person who, who like when people are coming up to you, it's just kind of this like awkward fake exchange of like, okay, yeah, we'll work together. And of course you're never going to work together, but what else are you supposed to say when someone's like staring at your face See, asking for I'm not gonna lie, me when I'm in those situations, like, I'm not against really talking to anyone. And the reason why I'm not is because you just never know. Like, that's true. You could meet someone today and they're nobody. And then in a hundred years, they could be the biggest thing in the world. So I don't count anybody out. Like, I don't, I try, like, I try not to at least. Like, Mm. I don't really count anybody out. And that's why, like, back in the day, I used to do these lives where I would just give information. Like, one day, I remember one year on my birthday, I put my phone number in my post and I was just like, 
for my birthday, I just want to give out information, which I've been doing it. Like, been mm -hmm. doing lives where I'll like, let artists, managers, producers ask me questions, mm -hmm. and I'll just give them my opinion. Been giving out free games. Yeah, like, because I believe that, I feel like, I feel like we live in a world where people feel like things are in scarcity. You know, opportunity, True. money, love, um, everything. Like, they True. really feel like that. But I don't feel like that. I feel like everything is in abundance. Money love opportunity jobs mm -hmm. hit singles like i've never heard anyone be like oh drake and future are my favorite artists i cannot listen to anyone else my ears have no capacity to listen to any other music right no. so that's why i kind of feel like i operate in that way because it's like you know yeah we can all win <laughs> even when i go through like i feel like i'm an entrepreneur mm -hmm. so it's like i feel like it's always a roller coaster of events like as far as opportunity jobs income mm -hmm. like a couple months is gonna be amazing might be a few months where it's not you know i never i don't i, I kind of sometimes i'll feel down like oh my god what am i gonna do but it's just something always in the back of my mind like it's gonna work itself out it might take a little time but it's gonna work itself out some way somehow this shit is gonna get figured out and I think as a person that's doing something that's not the traditional route of things, mm -hmm. that you have to have that 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 faith, the grain, the size, even if you have faith, the size of mustard seed, whatever that saying mm -hmm. is like, you just have to keep a little faith in it's going to work itself out. Yeah. If you don't have that, you can't be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And not everyone needs to have it. Not everyone no, should have it. Because it's also delusion no. to some extent. Like no, all the times that I've thought and I've talked, I've confronted this delusion often, not often, but I think I've talked about this on the show before, like for the first seven years of my professional career where I wasn't really concerned about saving any money nope. or anything because I just had this faith that I would write a best-selling novel and it would take care of me and I would be fine. And then like as my 30s crept up more and more, I realized that I hadn't done the one thing that I told myself I would have done. And I was like, I have faith that I still think I'm going to write a best-selling novel, honestly. Like, I still believe that that is happening. But you realize that, like, having that delusion that helped you survive also, like, kind of fucks you Fuck over you. Yes. and fucks you up in a lot of ways. Because then one day you wake up and you realize, I have no 401k. I have no, like, fucking nothing. And I'm starting to strip at 29 because I, you know, fed myself a delusion that was great because it allowed me a lot of great experiences and a lot of great work experiences too. I'm not even mad, but like not everyone should have, not everyone should live with that delusion. I don't think it's healthy. No, it's not. I mean, look, Mel, told me one day, he's like, oh, you're 27, you're 28, you don't have any money. <laughs> Literally. He's like, you don't have any money. You don't have like, what is going, like, what are you doing with yourself? And it wasn't until he, like gave me these reality checks and I'm like, oh, maybe I should be. <laughs> I think that's funny for some people. But it's like, it, it, it was, actually, no, it was way younger than like, probably like 22, 23, 24. Like, okay, well, I was 27. Yeah, like, it, it's, but it's funny because it's like, it's, it's, it's a gift and a curse. It's a, it really is a gift and a curse. But I think, yeah, I think that's why, like, everyone I, isn't meant to be that though. You're right. Like, everyone isn't meant to be a super entrepreneur, but I wish people would stop glamorizing entrepreneurialism because it's not glamorous. No, it's at not all. at all. Like it's literally there's nothing glamorous about it. 
Like when you make it to the 1% of people that are making six figures a month and can travel private wherever they go and whatever, yeah, there's going to be glamorous moments, but there's also going to be a lot of not glamorous moments still day to day and also to get to that place and the stress that you're going to have to deal with to stay in that place and maintain it and to get there. Like it's not glamorous. It's, it's not for everybody. I don't think work like didn't gonna say recently working a nine to five is still pee. Like getting money is getting money. when we as a civilization got away from the idea of like it's bad to work a job like me i worked i worked a job like from when i was in high school Mm -hmm. i worked at baskin robbins i worked at the mall i worked at journeys like no funny shit like i literally thought like i was going to which in retrospect wouldn't have been a bad career but like she wanted like the manager she wanted me to become the manager of journeys which in like is not a bad thing to me yeah. because it could have started my retail position. Like I could have started at Journeys and fucking ended up at like Montclair or like mm-hmm. Louis or like Palm Angels or you know Hair on Preston. Who knows? You yes. know what I mean? Because at that time I really loved sneakers. I really loved fashion. I loved different stuff, not just like your typical you know mm-hmm. Jordans and stuff like that. I liked all different types of sneakers or whatever. But I don't know. Entrepreneurialism is not for everybody. And that's okay. It's okay to work a job. It's okay to have a nine to five. It's okay to, you know, take care of, like do what I want to, I want to normalize people doing what's best for them and not what they think they see the next person doing. Because people only, they only publish what they want you to see. That's true. I also want to normalize it taking slightly longer for people to reach whatever like milestone you're supposed to allegedly reach by like 22 or 25 or whatever. I'm I'm supposed to be a millionaire like 40 times in a row. Right. By the age of 22. So I just knew I was getting on 30 under 30. Right. (laughs) But when you you actually look at how people made their fortunes, like even, I don't know, someone like Elon Musk or whatever, who had some money starting off, but... A lot of people don't even touch their first million until they turn 30. Like, if you actually look at the world's wealthiest people. And then they continue to double and quadruple their wealth and whatever. But this idea that you need to have everything figured out by the time, you tur- by the time you're in your late 20s, I don't think is necessarily accurate. Like, it's a little bit stressful of a, of a thing. It's, it's just not the healthiest way, I think, to exist. But I don't know. I was 27 living in New York, broke as fuck. And I think... That's when I became very obsessed with like skincare because I like wanted to look younger, I think, even though I was like, now I'm like, you were young, like just calm down, it's fine. But I think I started, like that's when the pressure starts to feel like it's bubbling up a little bit and you're like, okay, the timelines here aren't quite lining up the way I thought they would. So let me get some expensive serum that I'm going to steal from Sephora because I can't afford it. <laughs> you know what's so crazy is like, until like like when I started working with Doug, that's when I knew I was like getting older. Right. Because he would remind me like, I was thirty. But in rap, but, but oh. in but like it was funny because it's like it never really occurred to me that I was getting older for real, for real until I hit like the 27, 28, 29. I'm like, damn, right. I'm about to be thirty. But it's like it's funny like when you're fifteen, right? You just know your life ends at 30. Like, you're just like, oh, and I'm so old. But it's like, now that I'm these ages, I don't even feel... Like, I know I'm older or whatever, but I don't feel old as fuck. Like, I don't. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I don't either. Like, I, I don't feel old. I don't feel... I don't feel those things, you know? And it's just funny because I wish we would take that pressure. But at the same time, I don't, though, because it's like... 
we need to normalize as a civilization, as a human race, doing what makes sense for self mm-hmm. as far as like timeline is concerned. Mm. If you know that you want to be super lit at a young age, work towards that. Cool. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're okay with being lit when you're 40, 50, 60. There's nothing wrong with it. Just do what works for you. Well, I think a lot of people who become lit later on in life, it's not always a choice. Some, pe- some people grind for a long time and they never find the success they're looking for until later in life. And you hope that you find it later in life, I think. but I just want to find it at some point. I think also we have to remember like, Hip hop, which is really the industry that you're in, mostly is such a like young man's game. No, no, like, for sure. Rappers are considered old by the time they're 26, 27, 27 yeah. which is dumb too because a lot of rappers reach their peak. I think at that in that around that time or later, in my opinion. Like even Future now, Future's in his thirties. I don't think Future's in his exact peak, but arguably he's in a second peak right now. He is one of the hottest hottest artists in the game. I he's, feel like Future's had like so many like peaks. Yeah, like but, yeah. he literally like. Future is like he's kind of old, you know. No, he's like, he is old, but he's still hot. Like, no, but he, yeah. You know what I'm but it's like to me, like when people talk about age, that's it, it's just it's just chat because if you're hot, if you're doing what you're supposed to doing do, if you're making dope ass records, like yeah, people be like, oh shit, that person is this age, but do you really care? Like, is someone? Am I gonna not listen if Future? was 70 and he put out the records he's putting out now they're good songs like that's that's the thing when you make fire music it supersedes anything else to me you're right but i guess the main obstacle is that usually the first listeners of most new music are young kids that's how a lot of artists get on so you kind of have to get on when you're younger and then if you can maintain a career through decades then that's another bonus or skill but i think it's really hard to get on when you're older okay. like jay-z couldn't be jay-z if jay-z started being jay-z at 50 he couldn't because it just loses the glamour of it you know okay i i, I can agree with that but let's say this all right so let's say billy ray cyrus right mm-hmm. he's old as fuck sure. I'm sure yeah but a lot of kids first time that were not in country music their first time hearing him was on old town road I didn't hear anyone say, I didn't hear any kid say, I don't like Billy Ray Cyrus. He's a 70 year old white man. Like, I, no one ever said that. Right. You but, know what I mean? That's but, true. But he also wouldn't have been even given that opportunity with Lil Nas X if he wasn't Billy Ray Cyrus already, who built him. No, no, him- no. Of course. I just think we have this like obsession with youth in the music industry. No, no, no. It, 1000%. A lot of people, if you ask someone who's signing an artist or working with an artist, the first thing they're going to ask is, well, how old is he? Yeah, it's weird. It's creepy almost. Like, how old is he? Oh, he's 21? Oh, get that senior citizen out of here. Literally. You know what I mean? Like, so I get it. But it's like a lot of times, like, again, to me, fire music, amazing music supersedes everything. That's true. But it's hard to convince label executives of that sometimes. But that's because artists, because labels, a lot of labels don't believe, major labels, excuse me, don't believe in artist development any label that i would ever work with in the future or at they have to believe in that because i want career artists i want artists that are going to be you know in the game for a long time forever Mm -hmm. you know what i mean or for a long stretch of time i don't care to work with artists that have like okay one song and that's it where you know the song but you don't know the artist like i'm not i don't want to work in that environment sometimes that happens like that 
Mm-hmm. But, you know... Um, you're not interested in, like, a viral moment? I'm not interested in any of that, like, viral shit. Like, I'm not interested in any artists that are, like, gimmicks. I'm not interested in any of that. No. I guess it's a fine line for artists to figure out because... You don't want to be gimmicky, but you also want to stand out. Like, DaBaby used to literally wear a diaper type of thing, and that's a gimmick that I guess kind of worked for him because people would talk about him. But I think a lot of artists feel like they need to be a little bit corny or do something gimmicky to stand out in the beginning. And arguably it works because even people as big as, like, I hate to say, like, 6 9 or something like that, like, they're still doing gimmicks to get attention. And that's what gets attention often. Unless you're really, like, from the streets and, like, supported from the ground up, like, little like, Baby or like something, but me, that's not always... Like, to me, even with the Baby, right, I wouldn't necessarily, in my opinion, I'm a fan of the Baby. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say, to me, what he did was a gimmick, more so marketing. You know what I'm saying? More so strategic marketing, because it's like, his name is Baby. The mm-hmm. Baby. Right, exactly. So, he put the diaper on, and that was different. It was interesting, but... The music was it interesting? It's gimmicky to put a diaper on as an adult man is gimmicky. You have like, it is. A li- I'm not hating on him. I like him too, but like, I don't know. I felt like it was cool marketing because it's not like okay. Okay, that's why you're a professional. If like, if everywhere he went, he wore the diaper, like right. every single put. I think it was like one. Time no, I think he did South his shows. Oh, and like maybe a few shows like that, but that wasn't. I don't feel like that was like. Who he wanted to be, like the man yeah. with the diaper. I think it was like, <laughs> look, I'm like, he really did like a bait and switch. Yeah, for sure. It. It's all right. I got your attention now. Now listen to his music. But he didn't continue to do that. Like, I think that was something that happened very early on mm-hmm. just to get their attention. And once he had people talking about him, he just kept developing, developing, putting out music, putting out music and, you know, all the different things that have happened to him in his life. And I think all those things fell in line for him and it just like the stars just align. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I just, so how do you think, I don't know if there's any music people from my old music industry days that even really still listen to this, but if there are any artists or industry people that are interested, how do you think you break an artist today then? Like, if you're building it from the ground up, developing an artist, like how do you actually break an artist? Because it's very elusive and very like, it doesn't, seems it's very hard. It's one of the hardest things to do. Like, okay, first and foremost, the number one thing you need is amazing music. You need music that, that moves people, that makes people feel something. A lot of people have good songs. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good music though that never beca- yeah, becomes mainstream. Yeah, there's a lot mainstream. of stuff that's like, it's good. Like a lot of people have what I like to call tofu music. Like, it's not bad. It's decent. You might even stretch and say it's good. Mm-hmm. But it's not special. You know what I mean? It's not special. There's nothing special about it. Like, it's edible. It's 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 cool. It's nice. Like, it might even, like I said, it might even sound good. But it's not. Like, you know, when you heard Doug or if you hear Lil' Key or you hear Baby or you hear one of these G, like, these people sound special it's something about yeah they do them. like you hear something you feel something you're like damn it sounds real it's but just, i think you know i well that's in hip-hop specifically but i think maybe this is hip-hop specific too but i think hip-hop goes through different phases of what ma- like how hits are made where before in the late 2010s it was like the clout era you know of famous decks and even after that Lil uzi and kodak and, and all then that kind of internet clout culture, like even Smoke Perp and stuff like that, that was what was driving hip-hop at that time, I think. Yeah, and then now, 
So it was it was like the clout era. But but wait, but now we're in the streets era, I think, of like Lil Baby, 42 Doug, Pushaisty, Big 30, like that it's more from a grassroots level, I think, that you need support to have a hit. I feel like I feel like the streets like to me are something that have forever been like the the root, the foundation of like this shit. But again, like it's so many things that exist. There's so many realms and levels and worlds that exist within each world of like hip hop, you know? Mm -hmm. Like to me, even with like, let's say we go to the SoundCloud era of like, you know, like you said, your Uzis, your, your perps, all these people, they still number one had amazing music. Like I remember when Uzi shit came out and I'm like, yo, this shit, like, I feel like I'm, I never took shrooms, but I like, I felt like I'm in a different planet like this shit is just fucking amazing first and foremost i feel like you have to have good music and i just want to emphasize that like because a lot of people no but everybody the problem is everybody thinks every artist thinks their music is good so that's that that's but it's okay but um i guess maybe let's zoom out from hip-hop would you ever like do you ever think about working with artists outside of the hip-hop space yeah because hip-hop is a hard industry to be in especially like everything from not even just you know being a woman but I think it is sometimes harder it's really male dominated in a lot of ways and I think it is sometimes harder to be taken seriously especially when you're a young woman and there's so many guys no I don't know it's so weird because like a lot of times women have those conversations about like because you know we do a lot of women empowerment stuff Mm -hmm. like that kind of shit and like a lot of times people talk about how like they it's harder for them as a woman and Mm -hmm. i understand that because i know men and i know how they can be but i literally got blessed with like dope guys that don't play that shit right it's never been a time where like let's say god he's never made me feel less than for being a woman or I feel like any idea I've ever had, he took it just as serious as he would from someone else that is a That's male amazing. counterpart. See, my experience was more like everybody starts talking about leverage and the music industry is all about leverage. And often there's a lot of men in the industry who feel like you, like they can almost coerce you into doing some like sexual shit because then like they'll return a favor by like doing something for your artist or something like that. And that, and, but that does happen a lot. I think a lot. 1000%. But you know what I realized is that a lot of people who say that they're in the music industry are not in the music industry. True. Like it's really levels to it. You know what I mean? A lot of these people that are trying to perpetrate and act like they're in the music industry, like the real actual music industry where business and work happen i'm sure that that stuff does it does happen it does happen one thousand percent but a lot of that shit is lower level people acting like oh yeah i could get this done that done but that's not like they're not on corporate emails they're not they're just it's just fictitious music industry that they make up in their fucking brain from the mix that's really the mix type shit and i know when i say the mix i mean like like Let's say, let's say a group of girls hangs out with a group of rappers. Mm-hmm. Some way, somehow, they might think they're in the music industry. No, for sure. I, a lot I mean? of girls. No, that's girls and guys. Yeah. not even just not to just put it guys on. almost more than no, girls. I, I guys exactly, are bigger groupies would, than girls. Exactly, I would say more so men than women. It's like okay, you're friends with like let's say you're friends with a rapper, 
and then you're friends with another friend, friend who has a friend with a rapper. They might think they're in the music industry. You're not in the music industry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're actually not in the music industry. Like, you think you're in the music industry. Right. But it's kind of funny because the music industry, I guess, is whatever you want to make it. Well, that's the that's the part that is so obnoxious and insufferable about working in the industry, I think, is that it is so vast so in a way. Because there's well, indie artists. You're, there's your artists that are signed. There's your artists that are on the come up. But you know what? Every level is like, okay, there's an... Let's say it's a group of 10 people and we all have... Let, let's say we're, it's a, ten, a group of 10 people. We're all managers, mm-hmm. okay? And we all have an artist that's on the rise, that's on the come up. Who's to tell us that... What we have going on is not, we don't have a network and an industry between us. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's what happens a lot. And a lot of people try and make it seem bigger than what it is because they might have a very loose connect here or there. Ultimately, there's a lot of like broke-ish artists who are not really making that much money for real. When you break it down, the amount of money you actually make from you know, streaming services or something like that when you're actually signed to a label. I did the math. Isn't it like $700 per like million streams or something when you're signed to a traditional label in the way that the splits actually work? That's not a lot of money. It's not. I mean, I feel like it's it's different because every platform has a different um, calculator that they use on how streams are paid out. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time, like, it's different, like royalties, like different. It's so many, like my, like a, he's like a brother to me, Halim. He always showed me, like, yo, like it's so many different ways to to make that money. But I feel like a lot of artists make their money off of merch, off touring, mm-hmm. off of clubs, off of you know promotional things. Like it's it's not just the streaming. I do feel like the record company does benefit a lot from streams, but a lot of artists are making a lot of money with doing shows touring merchandise all that kind of stuff yeah unless you sign to a 360 deal which is the typical standard deal where the record label owns everything i don't really know any artists that are i I mean actually i don't know everyone's everyone's contract is different ever the way people do business and i don't know why there's such a negative stigma on 360 when someone okay if i'm taking my money i'm investing millions of dollars into making you bigger and bigger than who you are why should it be an issue for me to take PC of what you have going on? Why should I give you all my money to become big and then you say, fuck me? I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're giving them all your money, but I think often they give them like $40,000 up front and now you're in a 360 and when you blow up, everything that you make is not owned by you, which is a sad no, situation no, to be in. No, no, no. I definitely, I believe that the music business, like the music business as a whole, needs reform. The way that um, contracts are signed between managers and artists, um, production companies, songwriters, producers. Mm-hmm. Like, I really kind of think it's unfair the way that producers and songwriters get paid out for stuff. I just feel like they should make more. Producers um, make a lot of money. They make like 50% of the royalties, though. They make as much as the artists. No, no, for sure. But it's like, I don't know. I still kind of feel like it's like, I don't know. I, I still feel like there needs like reform. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they're like... Like you said, as far as like, okay, hey, how is it that record company is taking so much money? But at the same token, it's a business and it's a partnership. And that's why I suggest to most artists, try and build yourself up to the point where anytime you're doing any type of business, you want leverage in anything you're doing. Yeah. You want to have leverage because 
if you're just starting from the bottoms, tiny, small, what leverage do you have to kind of like, it's a, they're the one with all, the person who's taking the most risk is who, usually the one who's going to dictate what's going to happen. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have anything going on and I'm taking my million dollars and investing in you, I really don't care what you think, for real. Like, yeah. you know, but it's just weird because it's art. And it's music. So I just feel like reform is needed. I feel like there's a way to come to a, a dope middle ground between business, between record companies and production companies, managers and artists to where mm -hmm. everybody can eat. Yeah. Because I, you know, as a manager, as a person that, you know, is on the, you know, the business side of things, I do feel like, you know, it's a lot. It, it takes a village to make an artist a superstar. Mm -hmm. And I do feel a lot of people get the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I do feel like the artist might take off or, you know, the one, the main one person that works the record company might take off. But it's a lot of people in the middle in between that spend a lot of it's, sweat equity and hours with those artists and don't really reap the benefits. Yes. Of, well, know, that's things. the part that always broke my heart the most is that I hate to say it, but artists are very usually artists are pretty selfish people and they will use you to get to a certain point And there's. A lot of artists, most artists, in my opinion, when it comes time to dip and be bigger without you, they're going to they're going to dip. They're out. So that always was really sad to me. I mean, it's just part of the game. But the fact that you can put in a lot of legwork for somebody and the most you get is like a thank you. Yeah, I mean, and that that's just what the industry is. Yeah. And that happens more often than not. But I don't know. I kind of feel like with the way things are going, like. I feel like a lot of change is to come, mm -hmm. you know, like to me, the the entire music industry is a, is a complete like freestyle, you know, mm -hmm. of like, no, you're right. You know what I mean? Like it's like, if you think of how record companies and record deals were back in the day, what artists got like 40 cents or something or 10 cents, it was some ridiculously low number, you know what I mean? And I feel like as we progress, things do get a little bit better, but I think there is it is time for reform in mm -hmm. the music business as far as like how things how deals are structured structured like how things are because it, it really takes like some artists wouldn't be who they are without the manager that they have you know what mm -hmm. i mean so is 20 percent enough or is it too much you know i really think everyone's situation is different um but i just feel like the standard of how music industry business is conducted i do think it needs to change in mm. more benefit of both sides, yeah. not just the creators and not just the people that are gambling with their money and, and business to make an artist successful. Okay, so last question about this music industry situation. What do you think, and I'm sorry if this is an invasive question, I'm just genuinely curious. What do you think the average salary for like a mid-range artist or an artist manager actually is in... The music industry because if you're looking at it through the lens of instagram you see everybody with a bust down ap you see everybody with their cuban link chains and their birkins and that's not really the actual day-to-day -day lifestyle so how much money are we actually like making you can you can really run up some money very quickly if you have the right artist if you have the right structure but just as easy as it is to like i won't even say it's easy because it's not I'm not gonna lie, it's not. Mm -hmm. You, it's it's easier to fall into the trap of doing shit for free mm -hmm. than it is to fall into the trap of making money. Facts. You That's know? the real issue we've said all podcasts. Yes, that like that. It, it, it is harder, but 
it's again it comes into you just have to be about your business mm -hmm. and it's just it's just that like you have to set the standard early and even if things aren't going the way that you wanted to initially you have to stand your ground and say look I have to make money doing this or else I cannot continue to do this with you I know you love you know, um, drawing blood, sweat, and tears for me for free, mm -hmm. but I can't survive like this. You know what I mean? So for sure. I do think like, I would say, I would say anywhere from like 50 to a hundred plus is where uh, a typical artist manager will be. It, depending on how big your artist is. That makes sense. But again, if you have a dope artist that's really moving around, you can make a lot of money because you're gonna and it's the cool thing about it is like when you're doing shows i feel like shows are kind of the easiest way to run up a bag mm -hmm. because it's like cash like, yeah you know in the club or if you're able to if your artist is brand friendly if you're able to secure a hundred thousand dollar you know brand like post let's say something as simple as a post mm -hmm. like because this happens like that's what I'm working towards. Yeah. Like, actually. You know, like an artist would be able to say, like, somebody could come to you and be like, oh, hey, I would like your artist to wear this T-shirt or to, mm -hmm. wear, to, to, you know, start with this marijuana line. Mm -hmm. And they're coming directly to you. It's so, it's easy to run that up. But you just have to set it straight from the beginning. And you have to sit down and talk to your artist. Like, okay, you want this amount. I'm adding this on top or anything I bring to you. I want 20%, 30%, 10%. 5 yeah. I mean, it's so, it's, it's too, it's too wide to try and say what the standard is, but I just feel like anything, anytime, like whatever your artist is making, I feel like as a manager, you should, you deserve 20 to 30% of it, depending on how big they are. Yeah. I feel like the bigger they are, the number probably can slide down just a little bit because it's like if they're making millions of dollars and you're taking 10% of that, you're still making good money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it just depends on how intricate and how deep that person works with you. But I just say to anyone listening, please set your boundaries early and be about your business. Yes, you can love somebody. Yes, you can care about them. But you have to, have to, have to. You have to set it straight because they will run all over you. Because again, like I said before, if you could get a Chanel bag or AP for free, why would you pay for it? Why do I feel like you're giving me relationship advice? Because this also <laughs> really applies to relationships. But it's easy to stay when you're like, oh, maybe they'll change their mind or maybe they'll be better yeah, to me. And they, they usually don't. But okay, I remember you said something really interesting to me a few months ago when we were talking at your place because I think I was talking about we were just talking about being broke and how broke we were a few years ago or years ago or whatever and you said I don't even joke about being broke anymore which yeah, yeah what <laughs> what no like I over the last couple of years of my journey like and actually I can even say a couple of years but yeah like especially just recently I never really understood how much our words affected our life and mm -hmm. our outcome and different stuff like you know and Doug you know not to bring him up again but Doug really taught me that like your words mean everything mm -hmm. how you speak on yourself how you speak about yourself and the things that you want have an effect on how everything in life turns out for you I don't, I don't even say, oh, I'm, I don't say that shit. Because mm -hmm. guess what? 
if you feel that that's what you are, that's what you will be. Yeah. And the greatest gift of life is whatever you say you can or you can't do is just that. And I know it seems really cliche because it is, but it really isn't though because I don't believe most people believe that. I don't believe people feel like the way they speak over themselves and their life affects them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of very successful people talk about, like, they kind of touch on this sometimes. Like, Kanye is somebody who always talks about this shit, where he's like, words have energy, and I don't like this word because of the original meaning of it. And there's a lot of people who try and communicate this idea that words are powerful, but I think it sometimes doesn't come across. Like, it kind of not only goes over a lot of people's heads, but... It's an idea that it's like, yeah, yeah, words are powerful, but whatever. And it's also can be difficult to actually communicate what you really want and how you actually feel in a lot of real situations in life. Because at least for me, half the time that I, people always accuse me of saying like, oh, they're like, Claudia, you always say, I don't know, because I'll say something. And if I'm communicating something that's really important to me, but I'm worried about how it's going to come across to somebody or it's like sensitive information, I will just almost stop halfway through my brain just like shuts down and I'm like I don't even want to say this so I just say I don't know and it really pisses a lot of people off and the irony is like on here or in writing or whatever like I'll talk forever but when you actually have to think about the power of words and communicate what you actually want like that shit is hard in real life it is because it's sometimes even like like I never realized this until later on in life but it's so easy to be negative. Like, it's actually the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Is to be negative. I feel like for most people, to be in a negative state, to feel negatively about yourself, to wallow in whatever you want to call it. Like, it's easy to be that. It's hard work to be happy. Well, worrying, the problem for me is like when I worry, I know it's not going to fix anything, but I almost think that if I keep circling around it, like eventually I'm going to think of some resolution or something like that and it's going to fix it, but it's not going to fix it. So worrying is like this safe space of thinking you're going to fix it by ruminating you're not. Yes, like like I know I catch myself all the time. Like I have to... Like, I'm at a place where, like, I have to catch myself. As soon as I feel a negative thought, and sometimes I fuck up, you know what I mean? But as soon as I feel a negative thought or idea or I have to, like, it's like, okay, so, so I have to do something. And like you said, it's so easy. Like, it almost feels like, it almost feels like, what, what do you call it when, um, like, let's say you have, like, a lucky shoe or a lucky feather. Like, it almost feels like a ritual almost. Like, mm. okay, I have to worry about this so it can go right. Mm. you know like it's like i don't know but it's so hard to let go of things that i don't even think i i I don't i don't ever think i have to worry about this so it will go right it's like my brain is so traumatized and programmed to worry as soon as something doesn't go exactly how i want it that it's so hard for me to let it go and just let it be like it's the hardest thing yeah like i like i've always been a person that loved books Mm -hmm. and I love self-help books. I know a lot of people don't like them, but I love them because I don't know. It just, every time I read a self-help book, I just, I just read it and walk away from it feeling like super energized. Mm-hmm. And one of the last books I read was um, the, the Miracle of Mind Power by Dan Custer. Um, and it's just like, it talks about that. Like it mm-hmm. talks about how you have to have faith in things you're doing. You can't speak negatively on yourself and you have to just 
whatever you say you're going to do it, just do it and believe that you can and believe that it's done. And it's it's so much easier. It's it's weird, okay? Because anytime you read stuff like that, you're like, well, how the fuck do I do that? It's like, okay, you're telling me what to do, but not how to do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's always the, oh, it's, it's almost saying like... Oh, like you, you need to go and make a million dollars. Okay, well, how? Yeah, I mean, like, I think how do I do this? Yeah, self. I think self help books have a bad rap for that reason, but also there's a lot of great. Like they shouldn't be called self help books. It should be like just improvement books or like just books about people. Like it yes. should self help is such a sad so connotation like, to attach yeah. to a genre. But I love it though because it's like, excuse me, that was one of the first books I ever read that I felt like. Not only did he say in the book, like, what to do, but kind of, like, how to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I really, really actually like that book. And it's actually not even in circulation anymore. Like, they don't produce it. And I kind of feel like they don't for, like, a good reason. Because I don't believe... I'm just kind of, like, a little conspiracy theorist. I don't believe that the world wants us to... Not the world, but the people, the powers that be. I kind of feel like they don't want people to realize their natural power mm-hmm. and things that they have on the inside because just imagine no, absolutely. a world full of everyone who knows that they can be number one that's well not everybody can be number one but that's not everyone can be number one but you get what i'm saying but like, okay i need to read this book but okay that's where sorry my not everybody can be number one statement so i think that's where i hold on to a lot of negativity i feel like there's a lot of power in negativity because it almost makes you think you're it almost makes you feel smarter than people who just like if you can see all it's this is not healthy and this is not correct i'm just saying what it is like if you can see all the bad outcomes or the bad things in something like you almost it almost looks like you have a more 360 view of the object or the thing you're looking at you're like oh well i must be smarter than you because i see all these bad things as well that's not healthy i'm not saying that's the best way to be but some of the my favorite people on the planet like especially comedians like tim dillon right now or bill hicks before or whoever they're extremely negative people and they're really funny but they're able to like life is a lot of life unfortunately there's a lot of negativity that is unfortunately just part of this so i i love i have such a special place for negativity in my heart it's so hard for me to release that i don't know no and it's funny because it's like again like in my mind like it'll be certain situations i'm dealing with my artists in that and like in my mind i feel like i'm telling you the right thing like don't do this don't do that because this is gonna happen mm-hmm. and you don't need to do this and they're like oh you're so negative and it's like no, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm not being negative. I'm telling you the real. Yeah. But I kind of like, after like reflecting and looking on a lot of things in retrospect, again, life is what you make it. Like, it really is what you make it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. But if you really truly believe in your mind that this is going to go the way that you want it to go, and it does. Yeah. You know, like, and I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it pan out in every direction. So it's like, I kind of feel like you need that balance. You need someone who's going to tell you, well, like, if you run that red light, you're going to get pulled over. Yeah. But what if you don't? Right. You know? I don't know. No, you're right. It's weird. You're right. You're right. But wait, okay, we've been going for a minute. I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to ask, I kind of ask everyone who comes on this, it's kind of a weird question, but whatever. If you can think of anything, like I always say how I used to steal makeup and skincare from Sephora, which I do believe should be free anyways, but whatever. 
Not if you free. if you I, I really think that it should be free. Like it's that it's so expensive. It should at least be extremely discounted. Like you should get a bundle pack. Like, oh, this is your third serum this month. Clearly you're going through something. Like here's 75% off. Oh my god. Anyway, is there something like do you have what is the brokest thing you've ever done, if you can think of anything? Did you ever have a phase like that where you were just thugging it out? Um, I mean, I, I'm always the queen, okay? Um, but I feel like it's so funny. Like, okay, let's just say in these days, man, I eat so much, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I eat a lot, which is very sad. I That's not sad, Sam. I eat a lot. But back in the day, I really realized that, like, I think I literally ate, like, half a meal a day, like... Literally, like, I don't like food. I don't know what was going on back in those days in New York, but food was not a thing. No, it wasn't. It, like, was not a thing. Like, I was skinny as hell. I need to go back to that, like, sidebar. But I don't know what it is, but in New York, it's like we didn't eat. It's like the adrenaline and the free drinks. And the it's just everything. No, you're right. It's like, and if you eat, you eat, like... I mean, I'm, I've always been really into food, so I would still go to Trader Joe's and stuff, but it's just not a priority. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Like, for me, like, I literally think I would eat, like, Chinese food, like, every day. Like, Chinese food and the dollar pizza. Healthy. That was my literal life. Like, I would survive off, like, a dollar pizza a day, and, like, my favorite days would always be days where at the label when we would have, like, an artist would come in and we'd have mad food. You know, like, or a party. Right. But like, you know, I didn't, food was not, like, it wasn't, like, to me now, I wake up, like, oh, I have to go to Toast. Like, I need to go to Toast. <laughs> you oh, have I to. Need to I need to go to Umi. I need to go to these places. Like, mm-hmm. you think in your mind, like, okay, like, I need to do these things. But back in the day, I didn't think like that. No, I think it's because we're older now. We're a little bit bougier, and we just want to pay for comforts. Yes. So it's, like, I need the the fancy, whatever, caviar avocado toast but you don't really need it but yeah it's funny living out in atlanta too it feels like life does go slower here but no, life also sure. happens more here in a way like I since i moved yeah it's like it's a happy medium as i like to call it you think so I, yeah it's, it's all right it, it's it's you can you can find yourself getting super content here because you can really live kind of a luxurious lifestyle mm. at a mid-range kind of like salary kind of. True. You know, so it's like, it's a happy medium, as I like to say. But like, to me, I'm already thinking like, mm-hmm, like, I don't know if I'm going to live here another year. Like, Really? It's like, but it's like, I say that, but it's like, where am I going to go? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> it's nowhere. It's like, I lived in New York. I lived in Detroit. Even though I love Detroit and I could see myself like one day like owning a home there, but I still wouldn't live there full time. Yeah. It would just be like, oh, I'm just going to go visit. But like, it's like, where would I go next? Like Houston, I love Houston, but it's like, to even live. Houston, it's not even, it's not practical. Atlanta and Houston just have too much in common they for do. me to like make the move to Houston at this point. Unless I was from here and I really wanted to like Get move somewhere else, but they just feel so similar, especially, they yeah. They do, but you know what? I feel like, I feel like in Atlanta, I feel like people are more pretentious a little bit here. True. Oh, big time. Um, big time. Yeah, they're a little bit more pretentious here. And like, it's like, oh, oh, you're so-and-so. Oh, you could come in and you could do yeah. this and that. But in Houston, I feel like, fuck it, everybody gets to party. It's like it's, It just seems more like nope. everybody's vibing type thing. I think it's because hip-hop runs Atlanta and like, it's just the culture. Like, Houston, it's more 
anything goes. I mean, I'm personally traumatized from Houston because I Why? met this like sugar daddy in Miami that was from Houston and he owned like half the restaurants literally in Houston. For real? And it was so weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I've told I this story. To I so I, and it was like, <laughs> I was supposed to be going to Houston anyway the next day and staying with my homegirl, And he was going back to stay at his townhouse in Houston the next day also, which is whatever. Um, so the whole week I was in Houston, this man like took me to every restaurant. I, I, we looked crazy cause he's like in his sixties, oh, you know, I like, we looked insane, but we went to all the nicest places like steak 48 cause he owns one of the, like he, anyway, whatever. So I would love to go back, but I'm low key afraid of running into him and just it's whatever, but I, I do love Houston. I do love Houston, but like, but even leaving, even yeah. me living in Houston isn't practical because the only way it would make sense for me to live in Houston is if I'm working every single day with an artist mm-hmm. that I'm working with that lives in Houston. And I don't have any artists that I work with closely that are in Houston. So it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. And Houston's far as fuck from everything. Like yeah, Texas is. is big as fuck. Once you're in Texas, you're in Texas. That's true. But Atlanta, it's like, okay, flight to New York, flight to Detroit, flight to LA, like flight to Miami, flight to Miami, flight to everywhere. Yeah, it's like, easy. It's easy to commute and surprisingly and shocking enough, shout out to Detroit. Like Detroit, I enjoy, I enjoyed every minute of living in Detroit because it was, it was easy. It was simple and it was greatly priced. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel looking back on my days in Toronto. Like when I, is Toronto cheap though? It's not cheap, but Hell before, no. but it's still cheaper than a lot of cities here because the Canadian dollar is also different and it's still CAD. Yeah. But like it's, I used to pay like $700 in rent. My expenses were so low. I had no car. I had no insurance. Like I didn't have shit to pay for Like I really could just, life was good. I was flying around the world, traveling for free. It was a, it was a great life and it was very convenient because everything connects to Toronto for the most part. So it was not, it was a good life, but yeah, so you like Atlanta? Overall, what's the rating out of oh, 10? <laughs> um, I feel so strange about this place because it really does feel like home, but it seems like a lot of it us does just... feel home. But it, but it seems like a lot of us just threw ourselves down here and, like, hoped for the best because New York just stopped giving what it needed to give. No, New York, it hurts my soul because New York, you, I never... In my years of living in New York, I never thought I would live anywhere else. Sam. I thought, Sam. like, like it instantaneously, like, even though I'm from St. Louis, shout out to St. Louis, I never felt like, it, it felt like home, because obviously my family's there, all that stuff, but it never, like, when I moved to New York, I inst- I instantly, like, I knew, I was like, this is my home. No, uh, the, first, here now. the first time I went to New York, I was like, I must live here, and I will never leave. Like, I want to be a New Yorker. Absolutely. You, I feel like you have that if you love New York. Yes. But then it's to leave it. I was never a city person. Yeah. Like, St. Louis is suburban as hell. It's damn near country as hell. Like, I never... It never made sense for... Because I went to Chicago, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. Like, when I went to Chicago, I did not enjoy it. I also went to Chicago in the winter time, so it was windy as hell. So, I don't know what the fuck was going on with that. But, you know, like, living in New York, I never thought I would live anywhere else. Never. But living in Atlanta is cool. You know what I mean? Like, everyone that I know comes here. So Sam. that's one of the perks of it is like, okay, hey, I might miss like, let's say, actually, I don't really miss things like that. Like, I just kind of like, when they come, they come. When they don't, mm-hmm. they don't, I guess. But like, it's not going to be a time where I'm not going to see damn near everybody that I know. True. Yeah, that's, you know? yeah. So that's the good thing about being in Atlanta is like, 
if I have friends all over the country, they always come to Atlanta. They always have a reason that they have to be in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I get to see them and I literally live like right in the heart of Atlanta. So I was like, I'm right there every yeah. time. So No, that that's amazing. So I would give Atlanta a thumbs sideways. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's like all right. Cool, you know, I guess, like, cool, you know. That's funny. No, we love Atlanta. Go Braves. And also, dating in Atlanta is ghetto. (laughs) It's bad here. It's bad here. I think every city that you live in, it's easy to criticize the dating scene. It's, you know, it's low-hanging fruit, but I just know a lot of women who have bad... Ma- male stories here. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. Like, I don't know any guys from Atlanta, which is strange. Well, I don't know any guys that I've like. I've never dated a guy from Atlanta. I've never like experienced that. But I see the things that my friends go through, and I would say highly would not recommend. Both men that I've <laughs> dated from Atlanta seriously ha- both ended with blocking me uh one today earlier after we had a really nice night last night <laughs> and I was talking to my mom and I I don't even want to laugh at it because it's actually really serious and I really am praying that like it resolves Versus, itself right. but like I was talking to my mom today because I guess I'm in that phase of adulthood where I tell my mom everything finally oh my god the train shut up we're trying to have a conversation <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. It's so annoying. Anyway. (sighs) Bruh, go away. (laughs) It's like we're in the country. This is why Atlanta is so annoying. But I was talking to my mom. She's like, Claudia. Because I was like, yeah, he blocked me. She's like, Claudia, why do all your boyfriends keep blocking you? (laughs) My mom doesn't even know what blocking is. Like, she doesn't even have Instagram. Like, she doesn't even have iMessage. But she... She knows what it is to the extent that it's like, they, I can't contact them anymore. She's like, what do you keep doing? Like, why do they keep blocking you? And honestly, I'm not not taking accountability. I don't think, like, I actually don't think it's me. Like, of course, there's, the, you know what my fault is? I'm too soft and I let the men, the men that I like walk all over me to some extent. So I think they assume that even if they block me, I'm going to like wait around for them or something like that for of sure. Course. So I will take blame for that. But in terms of they, them just being petty and blocking me for something that really should like blocking is such a childish girly, almost like toxic thing to do like toxic feminine. Like it just, if you're a man and you're blocking someone I don't know. I'm just not, I don't respect it. And both of the men that I've dated from Atlanta that I've seriously dated that I've had serious situations with have both blocked me. They both currently still have me blocked. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. The problem is, is that men here in the South do seem, there is an element of, they at first seem more genuine because they're like, they'll hold doors for you and they'll like, they'll put gas in your car and they'll be kind of like this gentleman type of figure. But what you realize is when the mask comes off, which it usually does literally in two weeks, then the gremlin behind it is super gremlin. It's bad. Well, it's also, I think because it's so normal to have kids down here, like, and just have kids kind of young that I just know a lot more. I don't know, like baby daddy, baby mama, toxic situations that happen here, it seems, versus places like New York, from my experience. Yeah, I feel like 
I didn't really see a lot of like baby mamas, baby daddies until I like started moving around because in New York, it's very rare that people really have kids for real. Very rare. It's very rare because it's like, first of all, you can't fucking afford them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like kids are expensive. So like in New York, people. I also feel like people are so much more career driven. Well, so they don't want to like, it's like this, it's like this stigma over careers. Like, okay, you have to choose between being a family person or having a career. Can't have both. Like, I think that's like a, like a, a, a thought that a lot of us had in our mind. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you see people like Cardi who are super successful, mm-hmm. married, have kids, you know, those things aren't necessarily true, but it kind of like is in your mind. Like you have to choose between Having as a woman, mm-hmm. it seems like you have to choose between having a relationship, having kids, and having that traditional family life and a career. For sure, that's why I have so much respect for. I don't even like women like Young Miami when she was pregnant and she still Man, just held it down, and amazing. JT was locked up. And you like you look at situations like that, and you're just. I have a lot of reverence for them, but it's 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 true. People in New York, I've I've said this on the podcast before, but I literally had had guys in New York that I hooked up with, and they literally showed up to my doorstep the next day with a plan B. Like, I didn't even necessarily need to take it. Like, we were already safe. And they were like, please, like, watch me take it type of thing. Where there's a level of paranoia that just doesn't exist here. Yeah. No, I feel like here, everybody's, like, on some shit like Russian roulette type shit. Yeah. Like, it's just like, fuck it. Like, In a way. If it happens, it happens. But it's just like, for me, when it comes to dating and stuff like that in Atlanta, like, I don't really, to me, I don't feel like I don't fit the mold of like a typical Atlanta girl, like from personality, body type, all those things. So I don't, I I mean, neither do I, I, mm, what is a typical Atlanta girl? Like a BBL? Yeah. Like, I feel like baddie. Yeah. Like super bad, like baddie. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't fit that mold either, but what I've realized is like, a pretty bitch is a pretty bitch and I can yes. still I can still get by in any room full of BBL girls yes. literally and like still walk out with the person that I want to walk no, out with exactly that's what I'm saying so like to me it's first of all I'm shy as fuck let's start there I'm shy and I'm like I'm more like into streetwear so right I feel like that kind of like the streetwear is cute on girls I wear a lot I, of streetwear too yeah I love streetwear I, I mean but that's true actually oh no you're more into streetwear than i am because i've gone for dinner with you and you've actually worn like a full ski mask like at the dinner table <laughs> and been like like a full tracksuit and ski mask at a nice restaurant being like why are people looking at <laughs> um, I, I don't know like i feel like I, you know what i don't know somebody let me know because i feel like sometimes the more like successful you are or like if guys know what you do for a living or they know you work with like artists or different people, they just like don't want to talk to you because they feel like, okay, who the fuck wants their girlfriend to be hanging out with rappers? All right. Day? And, and actually like, see, even though yeah. there's literally nothing going on, yeah. like, it's just like the thought of it is like, well, what is she doing with them? Like what, like, I just feel like it comes from insecurity. Like that's why like a lot of girls who are super successful, they have harder times for sure getting, boyfriends it's like you're almost emasculating them without wanting to emasculate them because they're just insecure but no that's i wrote this down actually in my notes so it's funny that you say it but i don't know what made me want to write this but i said my most romantically successful times have been at my brokest or some of my most successful times have been at my brokest which is true like it's 
it's so much easier to be in a relationship with a guy like especially when like if you don't not even that you not not necessarily that you don't have anything going on but it's like he still feels like he's in charge of like what's happening yeah even though he's not financially stable in any sort of realm at all even though he's literally asking you for money he still wants you to listen to everything he says that literally just like i just was in that situation and I get, and I'll still, because I want to make it work, I'll still be like, okay, try to say okay, but it's just, it's I hard. I say, but like, to me, like, I'm so much of a, like, oh, I would say like a lover mm-hmm. that like, I, I wouldn't, like, my friend asked me today, like, what guy what type of guy do you want like do you want him at the building stage do you want him already like put together Mm -hmm. like i don't really know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i think that's where a lot of the problem for me lies is like i don't really know what i want you know what i'm saying as far i mean actually i kind of do i want somebody that's like of course like i don't mind somebody that's in their grind mode like in their like building stages i just want somebody that's generous and when I say generous, I don't necessarily mean with just money, but just with their heart, like with their mind, like with their, I don't know. I don't fucking know. No, you're I'm right. Like, Fuck guys. No, like, you're right. But that's like, that's like an original answer, I think, because a lot of, I think people and women would be like, I want a man that's done with the building stage. I want a man that's, you know, like I mean, successful. Ideally, and- ideally, that's probably what a person should want. Yeah. But I don't know, like me being the type of person I am, I feel like I'm so much of a visionary that like I think I trend I put that into my relationships and maybe I shouldn't you know what I mean I really first and foremost I really don't even have fucking relationships that's really what's so strange like I really you really stay out of like male drama where every like few months I have a new like horror story you just yeah like you really don't have that many my cycle is like oh I like a guy oh cool we're talking a little bit Oh, he has a girlfriend. Didn't know. Okay, now it's ended. Well, a lot of them... Ha- a <laughs> like, lot of them... Like, I, it, that's the cycle. Like, it's not really... Not even that they have a girlfriend. Like, that only happens, like, like only happen once. But I didn't know. You know what I mean? But it's like... A lot of them be why. having girlfriends, but they just don't tell you. They don't still, tell you. So. Even though you you ask and you say, hey, like, what do you have going on? And, Nothing, 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 nothing. They literally have a whole child on the way. And then they have, like, kids on the way. They got, like, mad shit going on. And it's like, you don't know until it's too late. And then, like, sometimes they'll just stop talking to you all together because they're like, yo, this girl's actually, like, a good person. And I feel kind of bad for doing her. How- oh. I just disappeared because it's, like, it's easier for me oh to Oh, my God. That's the worst. The face of the planet than to actually tell you like i sorry i'm a dickhead i actually have like a whole situation going on okay i that's the realest shit ever like i genuinely the first person that blocked me that whole situation Mm -hmm. last year i feel like that's why it was even with this last situation like i don't know a lot of people i tell i i like to tell myself that to make no but i think it's true i know it sounds i know it sounds delusional but like a lot of people will stop talking to you because they owe you something or they did something bad to you even one of my exes who still owes me two thousand dollars he completely (laughs) cut me off i'm never getting that money back but like he obviously stopped people will stop talking to you because they owe you an apology no and that's true and it's like it's so much easier to just avoy but me i've always been the type kind of person like bro 
just give me the choice. Like, just tell me, like, tell me, hey, look, I don't like you. I do like you, but I have this going on, so I don't want to fuck with you. Or do you want to fuck with me? And, you know, this is happening because I'm always been the kind of person, like, I just want to know what I'm dealing with. I want to know what I'm dealing with because if you just, like, let's say you just disappear or you just stop communicating and I don't know what's going on, I'm automatically, I feel like, I just blame myself a little bit. Like, I start thinking, okay, well, did I say this with the wrong way or did I but and the whole time it's not even me yeah it's them it's always them like it's always guys guys are always the problem to me often they are and I am saying that as somebody who literally apologizes for almost everything that I do (laughs) and blames myself for everything and I actually do see that men are men just have a lot of unresolved trauma and they don't have the same tools to deal with it that I think women do and the same like faculties that they end up putting their trauma onto us in a lot of ways, I think. No, for sure. Like, most men don't even know how to express, like, how they feel or why. Some, yeah. people, some men don't even know why they feel the way that they That's, feel. That's, yep. About certain shit. About, like, bitches and girls and hoes and whatever. Like, they don't even have the slightest fucking clue. But I do. But I feel like, bro... If you're a man and, like, your heart is somewhere else, like, you're genuinely in love with somebody else. Because any guy I talk to, like, that's a big thing for me. Do not speak to me if your heart is... If you have, like, some kind of, like, 10-year relationship that you're just... Like, you know you're never leaving. Don't talk to me. Or let me know so I know that this is just a fling or this is just... We're just talking to get by. But, like, me, Claudia, when I fucking tell you, like, some people genuinely enjoy like just chatting you know some people enjoy like passing the time i don't just talk i don't just talk to guys talking to guys men and there's nothing wrong with it some people love that they love the thrill of like talking to a new guy so exhausting to me like to me that shit is not fun that shit is i don't find it to be fun i don't like it i don't want to do it like i don't want to do any of that dumb ass shit like but, if we're friends, we're friends, but... No, but Oni, because also, like, you and I both, I think not everyone deserves... Like, I really feel like not everyone deserves my energy or, like, to actually know what's going on in my life. And for you, the same. Like, why the fuck would I talk to some random guy who, like... No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk to one random guy that eventually is going to fuck me over, but why would I, why would I like, try and rotate That's that as much exactly. as possible? Like, that is just so deranged to me, but at the same time, it's hard to find a husband in that way. I know. It's hard to find a husband it either is, way. but it's just, like, to me, I hate it. I've really but given up on it. finding a husband for the next couple of years, I think. I've really, oh, I'm really, that, I think I'm folding, I'm putting, turning the towel in for a while. It's weird. As a person that really believes in love, like, I love the idea same. of love. I never, I feel like I remember, like, I'm just looking back, like, when I was a kid growing up in, in St. Louis, and I remember, like, standing outside, like, you know, everybody lives in, in like, you know, these suburban areas, big, you know, backyards, mm-hmm. and all that. I remember standing outside, like, I'm never getting married, I'll never get married, mm. I'm gonna get divorced, like, you know, like, that's... That's so funny. <laughs> it's not as insane, but it's, like, as someone who believes in that, it's weird that, like, I really don't date, I really don't actually, like, talk to guys for real like mm-hmm. i don't really i don't know why you know what i'm saying I, I would have to ask a man like okay why do you feel this like why does this happen also i'm gone like 90 yeah you travel a lot it's so hard it's super hard to me as a woman to like try and build and grow relationships with men because it's like i'm not here 
But it's different for a guy because a guy can go and sow a thousand seeds all over America. But how the fuck would I be perceived and how would I look if every if I had a different boyfriend in every city? Everybody I mean, men would be looking at me like, oh, this girl's a this bitch is a fucking whore. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it's like it, it's hard well, no, for but women. Even if you could do that, though, men are petty. Like I even just when I went to Miami a few weeks ago, like the guy that I was talking to kind of held that over my head. I was like, I thought you weren't fucking with me anymore because he barely talked to me the whole time I was there. And when I got back, he's like, oh, no, I just, you were away. You were out of town. So I'm like, well, that doesn't mean you can't talk to me. Like, I'm still on my phone. But people are just petty that, I think men are really petty. Even my my last relationship, because I was traveling more then, it's not even jealousy. They just want to make you feel bad and have, it's, yeah, men are petty. It's like, it's like a guy would be like, oh, you're my Atlanta girlfriend or you're my... Not to me, but they'll say, like, oh, you're my Atlanta girlfriend. Oh, you're my Ohio girlfriend. But the way that my mind thinks is, like, I don't care what city, state, area code, country. If mm-hmm. I'm talking to somebody, you're my person. No, for sure. Same. You know I mean? That's the. I think that's where the toxic shit comes from for me often because I put too much weight on a person after yeah. too short of a time. Me too. Because I just don't care. If I talk to someone I like you, I, don't, I just don't care to entertain other people. Like, I just... That's not oh, yeah. how my brain works, but it backfires every time. Every every fucking time. Yeah. Like, literally every time. Because they get scared. Yeah. And men are really... They scare very easily. Women can hold it the fuck down. <laughs> men get really scared very fast about a lot of real shit. What? Yes. Like, women... I, I never understood... Like, you know how they have this saying where they say, like, oh, like, balls, or like, oh, you, you need... <coughs> what do they say? Like... You need to grow some balls. Like, right. bro, have you ever tapped someone's balls? <laughs> the, like, they will literally cower. Kick a bitch in her pussy. Let's see how it happens. Like, she'll be still be standing She'll there. be fine. <laughs> literally, like. You know, like, it'll be okay. so funny. You know what I mean? But, like, balls are literally so sensitive. Like, so no, I right. remember, like, that's how you know masculinity is toxic as hell. And they know that we're the more, more dominant, like, sex because the the sex or the race or the whatever people that's really truly the strongest the opposite will try and like downplay everything so men they try and make women seem like we're weak but have you ever pushed out a baby yeah yeah no men men can't even handle having a period like let's be fine. men can't even handle being a father when you literally just get a child like deposited in your arms for no work literally so. and see them once a month they can't handle that so and i understand there's different emotional layers that come with that too so i'm not trying to brush it off but it is what it is it's nothing compared to what a woman like if you're a deadbeat dad no one everyone might look at you like oh he doesn't take care of his kids oh well like no one yeah. doesn't care but imagine being a deadbeat mom. No, that's crazy. No, it's like you are like the scum of the earth. Yeah. But like a guy, Scott it's so normal. Okay, I see my kids every three years. Like it's cool. Like no problem. But imagine being a mom who like decided that she wanted to take on the paternal role of just showing up when it's convenient for them. Like women don't even have that option. They, I don't even like, feel like I don't think that works that way. No. Like your kid just gets. T- given to foster care almost potentially before it's gonna unless the dad files for custody like yeah. i just feel like it's not fair like women we really we have we have it hard it's it's just different so wait do you see yourself now then with all this dating talk like do you see yourself 
getting married and starting a family? Like, is that something that you want in your future? I know it's, like, a big question, but since we're talking about it. I don't know. Like, to be honest with you, I have no fucking idea. Like, when I try and envision myself and I close my eyes and I'm trying to see myself as, like, a, I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. I really have no clue. If it happened, I wouldn't be against it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not necessarily looking for it. More than anything, what I genuinely want is love. Like, mm-hmm. I want to just feel a two-way stream and street of love with another human being that mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. That's exactly what I want. Yeah, Not some kind of, like, thing that I have to compromise for and get love. No. I'd rather just not have it. Yeah. Like, I want the type of guy I want. I don't care if that's not the type of guy that people say is a good type of guy to be with. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to feel love and all that shit from the type of person that I want. If we end up getting married, cool. I'm not pressed on, like, being married is not, like, a. I don't know why that's such an end-all, be-all thing for women, like, where they make us feel like, oh shit, you're not, you're unmarried. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, it's validation. More like yeah. you're not married. Like you old maid. Like you know, I don't understand that. Even in my culture, like I'm old to not be married. You right. know what I mean? And but I kind of feel like a, it's like a revolution happening where it's like, look at um, I don't know if you know who uh Tracy Ellis Ross is, but like yeah, yeah. lit like. She's not married. She's giving rich auntie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, I'm okay with that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? If I don't ever get married, I feel like I'm okay with that. But I would be sad if I never found somebody that I loved and that loved me the same way I loved them. That would be more depressing to Mm -hmm. me than not getting married or not having kids. Like, if those things happen, cool. I'm not looking for it, but I'm not against it. Mm -hmm. But, like, for me, like, my main goal is, like, I would like to know what it feels like Mm -hmm. to be in love. You you never. That's a person. That's a really personal question. I don't mean to like. No, but you're right. I want. I want that too. At the end of the day. Yeah, I want that. Like, okay. To me, whenever I'm in the situations, I feel like I'm in love. But when I look back into them in retrospect, it was It's not love because yeah. to me, I love is a two way street. So if I love you more than you love me, and I'm doing more for you than you're doing for me, we weren't in love. I was just in delusion. For sure. For sure. I think there's only been. My yeah, I've only been in love like maybe two times. Like I think I thought I was in love like five times, but now that oh, I look I back on the other situations, always it's like and I've I've told people like I remember my ex in New York. What's your sign? Pisces. And okay, I'm a Scorpio. So look, we're very look our signs. Mm. It's 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 symmetry going. It's symmetry going. That's, it's a, it's a two way river. It's so our 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 soulmates are Pisces. Soulmates are Scorpio. Scorpios. So, like, it's, like, three or four signs that we go really well with, and Pisces and Scorpios go really well. Every Pisces in my life, I love them. So, for me... Shout out to Trophy. Shout out to Claudia. No, I didn't even know that. Yes, every Pisces I have, Taylor, all my Pisces, like, I get along, like, so well with them. It's so funny to me because... A lot, of my, a lot of my best friends are Scorpios, but also some of the people I hate the most are Scorpios. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, either like for Scorpios, like I either love you or okay, I just question. like cannot. Are the ones that you dislike, are they male or female? Female. Really? Yeah. What, what, what month were they born? I don't know exactly. I just know all the bitches I hate are Scorpios. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like dating and relationships are the most intriguing thing to me in the world because... It's like when I'm traveling and I'm doing me and I'm 
whatever i don't really care i don't really think about it mm-hmm. it's until i hit the hotel bed and i'm like damn like i see all these people they're in relationships they're just in so much love mm-hmm. and seeing people on dates i'd be like damn i kind of wish i had that a little bit yeah no, I feel you. It's just, it's hard, I think, when you've been independent for so long to be in an actual healthy relationship without feeling smothered mm-hmm. also. But I say that, like, in a way where all the people that I've been, even the last, I don't know, anyone who, I guess, has always really wanted a relationship with me, I've always felt smothered by, I guess, because that's just, I just the like... sick way of the world. Yeah, but... It's just hard to, it's hard to let someone actually into your space like that when you're so used to being on your own, I guess. No, I mean, yes and no. Because to me, I would love that if it's mutual, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes I just be feeling like if I like the guy, it's like I feel like a lot of times, like I feel like I like him more than he likes me. Mm-hmm. Or, and I feel like I feel that way because it's like because I usually have like little bursts of time where i can actually spend getting to know someone actually hanging out with them Mm -hmm. it's so limited yeah so it's like okay like i might see a guy that i like for three days out the month so i'm trying to i'm trying to basically have a time lapse of like however let's say the normal flow of a relationship it takes six months to a year to get to know someone i'm trying to fit that into three days because i don't know the next time i'm gonna see you yeah you know so it's just like I think that it's it's to my downfall because I'm trying to rush. Yeah. And I'm rushing things and I'm trying to like make it make sense in a a, a quick amount of time when like you have to give time to things to flow properly. You do, but at the same by the same token you can't give you can't be waiting around. I, I'm not doing another year-long situation ship. Like, yeah. I'm not doing another... Because if a guy really... Like, that's one thing I have to learn. If a guy really fucks with you, you'll know. And yeah. you'll know. And you won't have to question it. You won't have to think about it. Because they're going to be on your heels 24-7. But my problem is that... Genuinely, like... I'll have that for literally two weeks. And be like, oh, finally I found the one. And then as soon as they have me... And, like, I give in and I'm like, oh, you want to have sex? Okay, I would like that, too. Like, you want to hang out? Okay, come over. Like, as soon as they know that, like, now they have access to me, they change. Yeah, and, like, and they, and they, like, then they'll, you know, they won't check up on me for a few days in a row. Which is, I don't like that, like, when I'm talking to someone to not talk to you for a few days. Or it just, it just instantly, like, it's, it does change. And I really don't know how to sustain those first two weeks. I wish I could sustain them. I can't. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I used to think in my mind, like, okay, if you wait months and months and months to, like, let's say, like, have sex with a person or get intimate with them or whatever that may be, all right, you, you'll take the time to, like, get to know them to see what's coming next. No. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, that whole thing of, like, oh, waiting a certain amount of time to do whatever you're going to do with a person, let's be real. Whatever a, a person, guy or girl, wants to do is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like pretty much a person's first few times of meeting up and hanging out with you they already have in their mind what they predict. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say you meet a guy. You're like, okay. Like, like right off the bat, like, especially women, because we have a lot of intuition. We're like, okay, he's for dating. Nothing real. Yeah. I fuck with him. I really want to fuck him. I don't want to fuck him, but maybe something could come in the future. Yeah. Like, maybe we can build on something. Oh, he's giving more friend vibe. 
Like, you will sit there thinking like you're trying to build something with this guy, trying to figure out, like, get to know him better. Whole time, he's willing to wait a year or two to fuck you and not give a fuck. Like, and once he gets that, he's gone. Yeah, that's so true. So, you, you know what I'm saying? That's so crazy. Like, if that's what he wanted, but you could have figured that out early on. If you would have fucked him right away, he would have left. Yeah. And if you would have fucked him six months later, it would have still been the same outcome. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I used to think that like, okay, like you got to wait mad months to like, you know, whatever. Now, like my new thing is like, I'm going based off of vibe. If you give me, if and, and, and not overlooking shit that I see is a problem mm-hmm. because I want to see the best. Like that's my biggest issue is like, I can see someone doing the worst shit in the world and still be like, oh no, like I really think that something good, it's it's not that. Like just giving people the benefit of doubt when it's like, no, mm-hmm. actually like, no, just fuck no, like no. So now I'm, I'm on some new shit. Like even though I don't have any guys that I like, whatever, it's like I'm going off of like, okay, if I feel like I want to, do something with you or whatever and that's what i feel like i want to do all right cool i'm gonna do it and if it works out it works out if it doesn't it doesn't but i don't know i still can't think i can kind of be like that but you kind of gotta be because like i said you will never know like you can literally tell yourself okay i waited a respectable amount of time to have sex with this guy and it will still leave you that's how i honestly feel even about yeah even more stuff more serious than sex at this point. Like, I, I don't know. I guess you can just never predict it. You can't. You really can't. But, like, low-key, you can. Because when you're getting to know someone and you're getting to know, like, male or female, whatever is going on, people show you. They show you the signs. It's just we choose to ignore the red flags. That's like, true. It's, it's actually like, like, I can literally, if you think back in retrospect, I want everyone to think back in retro, retrospect of anyone that they've ever dated where it didn't the outcome wasn't good. I bet you can pick three to five instances where in retrospect mm-hmm. you knew that like that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Like okay, let's say you're talking to a guy, you only talk to him once a week, mm-hmm. red flag. Because mm-hmm. guess what? If you really like somebody, you're gonna make time I don't care if you're the busiest person in the world. Yeah, for sure. You're gonna make time for the things that you want. You know what I mean? Like, I bet you everybody can go back and be like, okay, like, I, I missed that. But it was intentional. Like, you overlooked it on purpose. Yeah. Like, the sign was there, but you just chose to say, mm, that red flag could get a little more red. You know? Yeah. So, it's just, that's that's kind of where I'm at in life. I'm just kind of looking at it like, I'm just going to go with the flow. Not put too much pressure on things because, like, once I like a guy, I really like him. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm, I damn near feel like I'm in love. Mm-hmm. but I feel like it's because I don't do it often yeah so scarcity mindset can't happen which is just crazy because no it's true it's like even though I don't believe in that it's like okay like but I just feel like because I want to feel that feeling mm-hmm. so much and because I feel like I'm a person I feel like I'm made of love mm-hmm. like I feel like everything about me is a love mm-hmm. like I I love my friends I love the, my friends kids I mm-hmm. love my family, I love my friends, I love my work, I love everything. So it's like immediately, like yeah. anybody I meet that I like, friend, boyfriend, you know, colleague, I want to immediately pour love into them. Yeah, no, you same. Know? And I'm a very negative person, but you're right. You're right. Absolutely. It's you true. want someone to share that, like, love. You just, yeah, you, you know what? It gets boring when everything is about you all the time, yes. also.